0: Everybody, welcome back into Concrete Jungle in New York Baseball Podcast. A lot to get to. I am Paul So That's Kyle Evans. Nate Sharman behind the scenes. You'll hear his voice from time to time handling all our production stuff. Boys, been a while. A lot to get to. Really looking forward to a uh, fun little winter edition of Concrete Jungle.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a while, but uh, with all the moves happening, it's definitely worth, uh, you know, time to to get back and talk about
0: it. Mhm. For sure. Um yeah, you know, Nate, uh there is a Pittsburgh mention in this episode by the way. Hope you're prepared for it.
1: Looking forward to it, Paul. <laughs> nice.
0: You have you have no idea about who it is, do you? He does not. All right. Um look, free agency, other transactions kind of happening, cover all that. Cover the awards uh, that have been given out um you know, kind of give i guess our two cents on it kind of give i guess a little bit of a uh shakedown. what we're kind of looking at you know we're looking at probably another podcast sometime in january at this point um and then february probably a couple more at that point and Then really march you know a little bit more often before we're back into our full-fledged deal usually uh catch us obviously when we're live here on youtube uh the 24 7 Lakes one stream as well or anytime afterwards on uh either platform there as well as other major podcasting platforms but now that we got the red tape out of the way let's talk some baseball who's ready (laughs) uh let's start the yankees obviously uh for for at least us up here um i guess in terms of maybe the amount of free agency signings it's not as much as the mets uh but certainly the money uh initially kind of rivals a little bit so obviously the elephant in the room aaron judge uh things got a bit murky and dark there for a little bit but he does return mega deal yankee for life captain he will have the captain c apparently on the jersey how do we feel about that yeah um first john abon like a lot of people (laughs) should
1: be in prison Uh. (laughs) For, uh, that I don't awful know tweet. about prison, but... Jumped the gun a little bit there. It definitely made me nervous. Um.
0: <laughs> made me made me nervous. I had been saying Giants the whole time. That's what I legitimately thought. Arson and,
1: Judge is just incredible. The in
0: fact that he called him Arson
1: Judge. And based on I'll reports... forever. <laughs> based on the reports, too, it just seemed like the Giants were doing so much to try right. to lure him in. And I thought it was actually going to work. Um, but, yeah, it's good to have Judge back. Obviously, that was the main thing in the off season that the Yankees needed mm-hmm. to do. Um, I'm not. I, I don't expect him to have the same type of season that he just came right. off from, but still having his bat in the lineup and his defense every night is uh, pretty huge.
0: Yeah, judge deal, mega deal, right? Nine years, three hundred sixty million dollars. That's an average annual value of forty million on the books. Um, look, I mean, this is a guy that um, I feel like with the Yankees, we've. As a team, kind of been, I wouldn't say a ship lost at sea necessarily in the locker room. I think a lot of people really wanted Brett Gardner to kind of step up and be that next man up from Jeter, and it just never happened. Uh, but Judge certainly goes about a little bit differently than Jeter, I'd say. He's a little bit more, I'd call it charismatic, even with his teammates, as opposed to the way Jeter was. Um, and Certainly, he look, he's the voice of the locker room. He commands the locker room. And I think this deal, like I said, I, it locks him in. Yankee forever, right? Uh, for better or worse, because that's an albatross of a contract to try and unload if it were ever to come to that case. Um, so he's locked in. And at this point, and we'll get to one signing that occurred before and another one that occurred after here in a second. To me now... Um, there are obviously spots the team needs to improve upon, but to me, a lot of it now is just icing on the cake—the fact that the judge deal got done.
1: Yeah. Um. Also, I think we should shout out Hal Steinbrenner yeah. for picking up the phone and uh, actually getting this deal done.
0: A guy, who, a guy who we have been very critical of, to be to be quite honest. Yeah, because
1: it it really seriously does sound like Cashman was only going to give him eight years, mm-hmm. and that probably would have sent him off to the Giants. Um. So shout out to Hal. I think they said he was in Italy too on vacation. Yeah. Um, so that that was huge. Uh, shout out to Hal yeah. for uh, really bringing him back.
0: Hal in Italy, Judge who was on his way to Hawaii, stops in San Diego to have a meeting with the Padres on the way there. Talk about international, whatever. Um, didn't really mention it, but it's worth noting the Cashman deal uh, that you bring up. But he, Cashman does sign back on for four years. Yep, I'd have to imagine that there's probably a lot of caveats there to to have him whether it's be buyouts opt-outs on both ends stuff like that because the fact of the matter is and we we like i said we're critical we've been critical both really but the fact that hal was the one who got on the horn in order to shore up this Aaron judge deal that's kind of startling to me the fact that days before Cashman's announced that he got a, a new deal for four more years.
1: And I'm sure him and uh, Hale actually talked about, obviously, like how much they would give him, how many years. Right. So it's kind of odd that he wasn't going to go one extra year, um, you know, and a little bit more money to bring back, you know, a yeah. player that's going to that mean so much to your franchise. Right. So, yeah, it was kind of alarming to see that.
0: Speaking of a, meaning a lot, one sign it did happen before the judge signing, and I think was a pretty good indicator of, of perhaps where Judge was at least initially leaning was Anthony Rizzo. Signs on for a guaranteed two years. There's a third year option that he and the club can opt into, but two years, forty million dollars, obviously that's twenty mil for the average annual value. Um locks in first base for what is gonna be at least part one of what I'm gonna call the Yankee window at the moment. Um and a position that to be honest, the Yankees don't really have any prospects kind of lingering behind at this point at first. So it gives you the veteran guy who one enjoys playing in New York, but probably two more importantly, gets along with everybody in the clubhouse pretty good. And look, valuable bat, valuable piece. And the money is on par again, not to kind of bring up a dead horse from the past here, but pretty much on par for what the Dodgers gave Freddie Freeman.
1: Yeah, it was a really good, uh, re-signing. I, I, I thought all along that they should have done that move, and I really didn't know who else they could have, you know, possibly signed that would have been right. a better option. I know, I guess they could have looked in the trade market, but I mean, what are you really going to find? And you're probably going to give up a lot. So I think the best yeah. thing was just to re-sign Rizzo, and they did that. And
0: uh, they did. There was one possible cheaper option. Um, you know, Jose Abreu would have been equal, if not more, money. Obviously, he signed with Houston. Uh, Josh Bell would have been a cheaper option. He signed on. Actually, I believe it was the day after Judge signed with Cleveland for a two-year deal, which is actually a sneaky good deal for Cleveland and him. Actually, to be honest, but uh, to me, Rizzo was the way to go. Guy who knows what to do in a big market, and a guy who, like like I said, been in the clubhouse, knows the guys, knows the ins and outs. Um, speaking of guys returning, Tommy Canley, two-year deal, eleven and a half million dollars, five point seven five million on the average annual value. Uh, I found this deal interesting. I'm a big Canley guy. Um, I think when he's on, he's borderline top five in the league with his stuff sometimes. Um, That being said, obviously, last year started on the IL, coming off injury, comes back with the Dodgers for a little bit, really looked pretty on until he got dinged up again, Uh, but like I said, this caught me off guard because this was a guy who, when he left New York, was not thrilled with the Yankees the way he was treated, and I don't blame him. Uh, but this is a guy who this shores up the back of the bullpen, you know, going forward. Uh, you know, obviously the Yankees probably not going to bring back Chapman. Um, you kind of have your closer still in mind with Clay Holmes. I think it will be him his more or less to technically lose in spring training in the beginning of the season. Uh, but that being said, you know, I think well, Saga probably has an opportunity to go ahead at it. And I think, you know, if push comes to shove, I think Canley could be a guy as well that you could see in the ninth inning of a ball game.
1: Yeah, I really like the move. Um, I obviously think he's a better option than Miguel Castro was. Right. And we'll um, touch on
0: him, obviously, in a second.
1: And um, if you if you guys have Twitch, you can obviously watch Tommy Kainley. Mm-hmm. He's been talking about his deal a lot lately. I've been watching. He says that this is the best he's felt since 2019. Um, he's excited to be back. He never thought he would be back. Um, and then someone asked him, uh, do you think you could close for this team? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, that's exactly like I want to be, you know, either the setup man or the ninth inning guy. Yeah. And uh, I think he would – thrive in that situation
0: and and to me i i think he will be the setup guy i think he you know and this can kind of bring into our you know a couple guys the Yankees have lost in free agency so far kind of be what the Yankees hoped miguel castro could have been in the eighth inning um again like i said i mean you have other guys vying for positions back there saga comes to mind uh it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do with michael king when he comes back um Although I, I think I picture more King kind of filling into a Chad Greenish role, kind of being the first man out of the bullpen and can go, you know, a number of innings if necessary type deal, which is kind of what he did anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of this. I, I think it shores up that back end of the bullpen, like I said, in the way that, um, you know, few relievers really on the market kind of can. Yeah. At this point, um, my one take
1: on the Yankees is obviously those three moves are yeah. really good. But aside from Canley, um, they're pretty much bring they brought back two players that they had last year. Mm-hmm. So really, I think there's still work to be done. They yeah. they haven't really improved much other than you know helping or getting their bullpen a little
0: stronger. Yeah, and I mean obviously you know Carlos Rodon's the next big target I'd say for New York. Um, I I I personally speaking, I have a hard time believing Rodon doesn't go to New York. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. Obviously, the sports happen. But the mutual interest between both is there. I think a lot of it comes down to de- details at this point. Yeah, and so many people keep talking about it, like big reporters. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then there's a bunch of clips. Um, I, I saw that he was on CC's podcast. Yeah, he was on R2C2 like uh, last, last offseason. Yeah. yeah, and he said he would you know, basically love to be a Yankee, and mm-hmm. I think
0: he I think he would pitch well in the big right. market. So we mentioned uh, a couple of players the Yankees have lost in free agency so far. We'll start with Miguel Castro. It's a little bit of a lesser one. He signed a one-year... Three and a half million dollar deal with Arizona. Um, you know, in baseball, any arm is a tough one to lose in the bullpen. Uh you probably won't lose too much sleep in the fact that it was Castro. He walked, but look, he was a guy that the Yankees traded Yuli Rodriguez for. And we'll talk about him in a few minutes as well, oddly enough, but um hope to kind of shore up the back of the bullpen didn't go as well as you'd hoped um and and now really was just a one-year kind of rental deal and he's on his way but it's not that big of a hit in the checkbook if if you look at it that way you know three and a half million for him probably what the Yankees probably would have had to pay anyway but one year deal he can go and he's going on more or less a prove-it deal for himself in my opinion in Arizona
1: yeah he I mean he I think he performed better than uh Rodriguez would have um mm-hmm. performed but I mean I don't think it's really that big of a loss right. to lose him um I, I like him though I hope he does well in Arizona. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, getting Canely um, and losing him, I think, is a big move.
0: Now, to me, this one is a definitely a bigger hit to the Yankees. Jameson Tyone signs a four-year, $68 million deal with the Cubs, $17 million on the average annual value. If that's what it will have taken, I kind of wonder if the Yankees were in it at all. Uh, because to me, and I know a lot of people probably disagree with me here, but, man, outside of Cole, and really to be fair to Tyone, for the better part of the year, he might have been more consistent than Cole a lot of the different a lot of the times. And this one to me is just a hard, hard pill to swallow. Tyone's just a workhorse, goes out there, does a job, and for seventeen million a year, I, I kind of feel like the Yankees could have gotten something done. Yeah, the team's record when he pitched was, I remember it was really good. It was
1: I think it was maybe even better than Garrett Cole. He yeah. always gave he always had them in the game, always gave them a chance to win. Um, and then a lot of people are pointing out, like, why didn't they at least offer him the qualifying offer? Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I agree. If they don't get Rodon, then uh, that's that's kind of a mistake there by not right. bringing Tyone back.
0: Right. Now, the Yankees have been involved in some discussions with, like, the Marlins again over, like, a guy like Pablo Sanchez, and I just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I like Pablo. I think I think if the Yankees do trade for him, I, I wouldn't be upset, but... Um, I think there's a little bit of known commodity factor with Tyone there that uh, just a harder pill to swallow. Yeah, and we just don't know what
1: uh, Frankie Montas is going to do when right. he's healthy. I mean, um, I don't think he's a number two. No. But I do think he can pitch better well, than he I, did last year.
0: I think the two at the moment, and this is looking at without Rodon, obviously, I think the two at the moment are still locked up to be Nestor at yeah. this
1: point. And 73. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: So uh, the Yankees, uh, compared to the Mets, the the Yankees have not done a ton, and this also includes in my other transaction category here. Uh, Yankees have claimed right-handed pitcher Junior Fernandez off waivers from the Pirates. Um, Bit of a reclamation project here for Blake. Uh, Should he sign back on, he's technically a free agent. Yeah, Uh, But um, I haven't really seen any indications saying he's not going to come back. But uh, anyway, Fernandez, um, really good guy. A lot of people compare him and actually aware to where – efrost was in a way, uh, in going into really two technically off seasons ago where there's a lot there, just a bit of a loose cannon. And if there's a guy to figure out, it's probably going to be Matt Blake. Uh, Yankees also selected contracts of right handed pitchers, Randy Vasquez, Yanni Brito, Jimmy Cordero, and left hand pitcher Matt Crook from their minor league system. They're all up on the 40 man roster now. So, yeah, and those moves are made because they could have lost, I think, right. some of them in the Rule 5 draft. Yep. Yeah. the uh, I kind of left a lot of the Rule 5 stuff off the radar here for this podcast only because, um, for the most part, Rule 5 this year was overall kind of quiet. Yeah, uh, There were selections made really across the MLB, but nothing really in the first few rounds that made you really jump out. So if there was anything major, you know, like say, for instance, Greg Wessert got picked up by somebody. Then I probably would have brought something up, but maybe the just only interesting there.
1: thing was the Red Sox taking a Yankees pitcher for the right. third straight year. Yeah, um, so I don't know who the guy was, but probably nothing big.
0: Well, hopefully, he doesn't turn into Garrett Whitlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to the Mets and their free agency. They have been beyond active. Um, we'll start with the guys that they have brought back on returning deals. outfielder Brandon Nimmo, eight year deal, one hundred and sixty two million dollars. Uh, twenty and a quarter million on the average annual value. To me, slam dunk home run deal. Uh, obviously look, is not Aaron Judge, but Nimmo is by far, in a way, one of the more quality outfielders in the league. Great bat. And to me, for twenty and a quarter on the average annual de- on the average annual value on your book, I mean that's a steal to me. It really is. And the fact of the matter is, I feel like Nimmo probably could have gone and gotten a little bit more money somewhere, but he probably but what, you know, Steve Cohen probably did was gave him a couple extra years on the deal. And you know, you talk about Judge's a Yankee forever now, I Nimmo's probably a Met forever. Yeah. And yeah. that's a great, great thing. Yeah, and if I'm Nimmo, I'm definitely taking a little less money
1: and based right. on what Steve Cohen's doing with this team. Yeah. Um, this team is ready to win and this team I think is gonna win a lot of games with uh the additions that they brought in.
0: Yeah, I mean the Mets have like I said, to me they they've won winter so far. Um and we'll obviously talk about the subtractions because there's big name, yep. but uh, they've more so than brought in, they've, they've retained and they've done a really great job kind of working behind the scenes on some other deals, which we'll touch on in a second as well. Edwin Diaz, five years, $102 million, uh, shade under $20.5 million on the average annual value. Again, slam dunk deal for by far the best closer in baseball last year. Um look diaz certainly has his peaks and valleys but those peaks man when they're high they're high and to be fair when the valleys are low for him they're not incredibly all that bad
1: yeah i agree um more times than not, he's pretty much on every night and his strikeout rate was wasn't it like a a record breaking yeah um so yeah there was i if i was steve cohen right when the offseason started i would have been very confident with bringing him back um Mm. and uh, of course it didn't take long for them to bring him back i think it was wasn't it even before the winter meetings?
0: Yeah, had? it was. I mean, it, his deal was kind of in the way Rizzo's deal was, where it was within the, really the first couple of days that they got it done. Yeah, after qualifying offers were offered,
1: and obviously he wants to be there, and he knows you know this team is right. you know win now mode. And, so.
0: and to me, that's the big thing, right, with the Mets. Um, I, I kind of mentioned it actually to Josh a little bit today on, on on Finger Lakes today. The past fifteen years, really, I guess it kind of just goes back, maybe even deeper, technically, but. The Mets have been a team that we just meme. Yeah, like batting out of order and, and that kind of stuff. Right. But for the first time, I mean, to me anyway, speaking, Diaz was a team outsider, right? They went out part of a trade. And really, to be fair, was not the key piece to the trade in all fairness. Um, he wants to be there. Signs back on. Nimmo took less money in all fairness to stay. How awesome is that if you're a Mets fan? How awesome is that if you are part of the Mets organization that you have guys now at this point more than willing to stay once they've been there?
1: Yeah, and even free agents, you know, when they're looking for teams, they they Mm -hmm. see the Mets and they see a team that's spending money and, you know, is ready to win now. So I think that really draws a lot of attention to the free agents that, you know, want to come and play for the team. Now,
0: look at Justin Verlander comes in. And this is after, right on the heels of Jacob deGrom signing with the Rangers. Two years, and this is my favorite part of the deal. I don't think a lot of people realize. I don't know if it's necessarily a superstition thing that Verlander has or what. Verlander's contract is two years, $86,666,666. That's kind of uh, (laughs) interesting. (laughs) So, obviously, average annual value of $43,333,000. $333. I love it because you know (laughs) it's tough because I do think it's a little bit of an overpay beyond that anyway Um, but you're not stretching the deal all that far out. I think it's going to be tough for Verlander to replicate what he did this past season. Obviously age 40 it's a tough, tough spot but Still a quality piece. He replaces DeGrom in a way that I don't think any other pitcher probably could on the market. Not even Rodan. Not even Singa. And we'll talk about Singa anyway here in a minute. But you get Verlander in. He's with Surzer again. They're both very good with each other. And to me, this is a sign that the Mets are going to go for within the next couple of years. And if Verlander does decide, decide to call it quits in two years, that's fine because your prospects that you have behind him now at this point should be more than re- ready to go. Uh, the Mets, the beauty about this deal compared to say like the Yankees with Rizzo in a way is the Mets do have those pitching prospects on the horizon. You know, Jose Buto you, we'll probably actually see him in the major leagues more often than we did this past year, but he should be more than ready to go in two years. and you have a couple of guys that were in Brooklyn and trickled up to Binghamton this by the end of the year that should be more than ready to go as well at that point.
1: yeah, I thought they overpaid for Verlander for a little like a little a little too much but obviously that was needed to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, I don't think there was a guy that could have replaced a Grom like Verlander can even though it is a shorter term deal. Um, but they needed a top, another top guy in the rotation, and yeah. he's going to fill that perfectly as long as he stays healthy, and you know he kind of performs um, still the same, even yeah. though he's getting older. But it was a, I think it was a really good move, and I think uh,
0: he's going to probably pitch well in New York. So a couple of smaller deals. Jose Catana, nice reclamation year for him, and he gets paid two years, $26 million, 13 mil a year, and David Robertson another really great year for him reclamation wise coming off a of tommy job one year and ten million dollars for him great deals for the mets they're very payroll friendly overall katana you know becomes your lefty in the rotation really probably fourth spot i'd assume probably maybe actually fifth to be fair you know when you look at it, because you have verland well you have Sergio one verlander two Presumably Sanga goes three, and then I would probably assume Carrasco four, and then him fifth. And then Robertson is a great piece, becomes more than likely your seventh slash eighth inning guy, replaces what Adavino was um, should he decide not to resign. I know there was a deal on the table at one point. I don't know where that stands right now. But either way, certainly probably takes the spot of whether it was Trevor May or or Adovino, and it's just a quality veteran arm who has played in New York before, obviously. So he understands the pressures of being at least within the city media market and is a good veteran presence within that clubhouse, which you know we again mentioned collectively, they're still a pretty youngish unit.
1: Yeah, that was I, I like the move a lot for that team. Um I'm just still kind of thinking back to uh this past year's trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Like the Mets are all in right now, they're grabbing relievers, they're grabbing starters, you know. I just don't get why they didn't make a trade for a reliever um at the midway point last season um i just i just think they would have been better down the stretch with mm-hmm. a guy like robertson and now i mean now that they got him that's good but yeah. i just think back to that trade deadline that they they weren't really yeah, all i mean in.
0: It, it's tough i think they picked the wrong cover reliever to go after and michael Givens. and it happens i mean you i'm wondering if that postseason dart. performance kind of
1: you know told steve Cohen like yeah let's just yeah. go all in now
0: and obviously, I know Nate uh, has put him up there, but Kodai Senga, five years, $75 million, $15 million average. average. Uh, and obviously, part of that, too, is his, uh, is the posting fee as well on that deal. So it's a great deal for the Mets. This is a guy who has certainly had beyond nasty stuff, as you can see from these World Baseball Classic highlights uh, from the last time around. Yeah, he's got guys shaking their heads. <laughs> right. I mean, he's got his the go-to pitch – and I hate how we kind of do this in a way with specifically Japanese pitchers, but it's a fork ball. But it's kind of beyond that. It it almost knuckles a lot, and a lot of people have called it the, the the gyro fork, hero fork, super fork. But man, is he good! And what a grab for the Mets.
1: Yeah, I don't know too much about him, but um, I think based on some videos that I've saw, uh, he's got some good stuff, and um, I think he should probably perform pretty well. Um, I mean, he's faced MLB hitters before, mm-hmm. and he's he has the stuff to – I think he has – does he throw, like, a 100-mile-per-hour fastball? Yeah. yeah, it's up there. Yeah, So, yeah, he's got really uh, powerful stuff. Um, I think he'll fit in nicely.
0: Yeah, he – you know, and you can kind of tell from the highlights. I mean, it's just – he's not exactly, like, the biggest dude in the world, but he does great stuff with his lower half of the body. And as a pitcher, I mean, that's pretty key. Yeah. Um, so let's address, I guess, the other elephant in the room here and address some of the players lost support of the Mets and the headliner being Jacob DeGrom signed a five-year deal, $185 million, $37 million on average with the Rangers. Um, can't, I guess, fault maybe necessarily the Mets for just kind of letting him walk. Uh, five years is deep for DeGrom, a guy who has had known health issues um, and probably, my understanding was the Mets were probably about 20-ish collective million off on the deal. So DeGrom was more than willing to walk. It sounds like he had been more than willing to walk for quite some time. Yeah, I thought I
1: read something. I don't know where it was from. Maybe it wasn't too reliable, but there might have been some clubhouse issues with him, Mm. him not talking to players or something I read. Um, Obviously, it might have been you know not a true article, but I'd have Mm -hmm. to go back and kind of find it. But if that is true, uh, yeah, I think the Mets did a did the right decision to move on from him. They don't need guys like that in the clubhouse that don't really you know want to be there. So uh, I think th- I think they're fine without him. Honestly, he only pitched in 13 games the last two years. Um, he did perform well in New York. He's had really good seasons. Um, the Mets fans should be thankful that mm-hmm. they did have him. But I think it was the right time to move on.
0: Yeah, tough um, tough spot here as well. Uh, obviously, not as like probably a big loss obviously on paper, but to me, I mean, this one, this one was kind of big-ish. Taiwan Walker, four-year deal, $72 million, 18 mil on average with the Phillies. Uh, I'm guessing this deal came down to lengthwise. I'm guessing the Mets were comfortable going four years on it because, I mean, the deal is in the neighborhood of what they did give Katana. So I'm guessing Taiwan probably wanted a couple extra years, uh, whereas they only probably wanted to go two years on him. That kind of sucks. Uh, To me, this one stings probably a little bit more than DeGrom, at least from the actual baseball playing standpoint of things. Uh, but, uh, like I said, if if it came down to two years and weren't comfortable giving him two years, you probably have a good reason why you didn't do that deal in the first place then.
1: Yeah, and if it was because of the years, I probably would have taken time on over Jose Quintana, although Jose Quintana has pitched a little better over the last year or year and a half. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, if if Walker would have accepted a two year deal, I would definitely would have wanted him. Yeah,
0: and a couple smaller ones: Trevor Williams, two year deal, thirteen million dollars, six and a half on average to Washington. And then Yuli Rodriguez, a one year, two million dollar deal with Boston. So, uh, you know, Yuli ended up being a, a, a decently big piece for the Mets at certain points through the summer. And same with Trevor Williams; he had thirty appearances total on the year, was used as both a six starter and a stretch guy. Uh, so both guys, obviously, on their way. Uli was a one-year rental. Trevor Williams kind of came in on a prove-it deal, proved it, and he's uh, going in getting paid. Yeah, he had a pretty solid year from
1: what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, they used him in a lot of different spots. And if I do remember, he was kind of up and down a little bit at times. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but with his performance, he definitely deserves a contract like that and hopefully he does well in yeah. Washington.
0: So a couple other uh, – actually, it's more than just a couple. It's a few other transactions for the Mets here to cover uh, – two of these names on this, what I'm about to say, they were already there obviously, but they elected free agency, uh, but signed back on for a little bit extra money. Sean Reed Foley, Tommy Hunter, they're back obviously with the Mets last year, but they're signed back on to minor league contracts. They joined free agents, Jimmy Yacobonis, Denny Reyes, Edgar Moreta, and Zach Muckenheim, uh, on minor league deals. Expect to see pretty much all of them in some form in spring training. Um, Claim right-handed pitchers Stephen Riding and Zach Greenoff off waivers from the Yankees. Brutal, yeah, brutal stuff. As well as left hand pitcher Tyler or yep Tyler uh, or Taylor rather Sauceto from Toronto acquired a former top prospect in Brooks Raley. From that Tampa was a Bay. good move, I yeah. think. Yeah, Your so, new
1: lefty specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's better than Joel e. Rodriguez yeah. was. Um, so good trade for uh, Steve Cohen.
0: And I would the say Mets. the ceiling is the roof. And they made two deals separately with Miami. First was. Uh, Getting right-hand pitchers, uh, Alicia Hernandez and Jeff Brigham from Miami. Hernandez is going to be in contention, probably really for a spot in the rotation/slash long relief. Uh, and Brigham will certainly find a spot in the bullpen. And then in a separate deal, they sent outfielder Jake Mangum, former top prospect, to Miami. That was tough. Yeah. That was uh, that was a part of
1: the player to be named later. I saw um, wasn't in that trade. I thought it was a separate one. Yeah, That's interesting Frank flipped out about it from oh. Barstool.
0: Of course it's like, the worst trade ever. Well, it's also probably has to do with rule five because it was before rule five. So, and,
1: but some of these other guys on, on here that I, that you just mentioned, I think um, am definitely going to help Syracuse, yeah. you know, with their depth. Um, they kind of struggle with that. Remember they right. were signing anyone at the end of the year, yeah. trying to um, bring in starters. But yeah, I think there's some good names in here that they brought yeah. back. And, and obviously
0: with Syracuse, we'll talk about them here in a few minutes. So, all right, let's move on to the award season at the big league level for the Yankees and the Mets. Uh, a lot of people in New York bringing home some sort of honor. Uh, start with the Yankees. Aaron Judge, first team all MLB, MVP, Hank Aaron Awards, Silver Slugger, and a player's choice. You want to talk about racking up the hardware? Judge did it. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, he earned a lot of awards. Um, but deserved, he deserved it all. Um, obviously, we knew he was going to win MVP. I think people that were kind of questioning it down the stretch you know, figured out that he was the MVP. I mean, look at his season. It's not gonna. I don't think it's going to happen again, and if it does, it's going to be a long time mm-hmm. from now.
0: Um, just an incredible uh, season. Other than that, a couple of Yankees, <coughs> excuse me, individually won awards. Jose Trevino, gold glove at catcher, but brought home the American League platinum glove. Platinum goes to just overall the best fielder in the game. Uh kudos to Jose, this was a guy who the Yankees brought in, thought everybody thought was just gonna be the backup piece ends up pretty much taking over the starting job and it's his judge to loo- or his job to lose here on out, so great to see also home hometown guy it really great guy overall too, so just really awesome to see him get rewarded for his hard work,
1: yeah, and the fans obviously love him, you know they have a little chant in the stadium, Jose, mm-hmm. you know when he gets a hit or something. Um, but yeah, just a, gr- a great season for him and a great story. I mean, he, even the trade that the Yankees got him in, it didn't happen until spring training of last year. Yeah. It was kind of a late deal, um, cause Ben Warfett, you know, mm. he couldn't get anything out of him. So I think that well, I'm still not convinced is real. Yeah. So that <laughs> trade actually turned into a big deal. Yeah. And then with Hikashioka, you know, he struggled in the first half or so year. Um, I think that was a big move for them to get
0: him. Mm-hmm. DJ LeMay, who took home the first ever gold glove for a utility position, and the Yankees actually won the team gold glove for being the best fielding team, which is interesting to me given the fact that, uh, you know, they only really had two positions out there, and the, I believe the Guardians took home the most individual positions. So, uh, really awesome to see, I guess, uh, the Yankees, you know, kind of hold down the field after we kind of thought that they weren't all year at certain points. So, kudos to them. The Mets, on the other hand, Uh, Tied for second with most individuals receiving awards, and they're all kind of spread out and sporadic, but uh, really the main headliner here is Edwin Diaz, first team all MLB and the NL reliever of the year, and justifiably so. Uh, To me, he was by far the best reliever of the year anyway in the whole league uh, from top to bottom and um, more than deserved the first team recognition.
1: Yeah, he definitely deserved it. Like I said earlier, I think it was a record-breaking um, strikeout per nine innings. Yeah, pretty record. sure it was two for three. Yeah, he, he just had incredible numbers, numbers that sometimes I looked at and I was like, how is this even possible? Right. Because he had, like, like double the amount of strikeouts in one inning. It was just, like, crazy.
0: Francisco Lindor and Max Scherzer both made the second team all MLB. Obviously, Lindor at shortstop and Scherzer as a starter. Um Kind of surprised me a little bit with Lindor, I think, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, you look at what he did this year, it was a really quietly great year. Did not get the recognition overall he probably deserved, and uh, hopefully the second team kind of brings that more to the forefront of what he did this year. It obviously serves her. missed a good chunk of the year, obviously, but, man, when he was on, he was on.
1: Yeah, um, for Lindor, I think, right, it was probably his best season in New York. Yeah. Um, like you said, I think he's uh, he had a pretty underrated season. He was a big part of that lineup. Um, when him and Alonzo were clicking, that lineup was pretty was pretty good.
0: Mm. Jeff McNeil, Silver Slugger at second base, gave it the official uh, position there, even though he kind of played a couple different spots throughout the year. And Buck Showalter made history, winning NL Manager of the Year this year. Why you may be wondering is a history fourth time he's won the award. Each in a different decade, and each with a different team. Crazy, pretty impressive. Yeah. So kudos to the Mets there. Um, any any maybe surprises overall to you that kind of popped out even throughout the whole league? For me, I was kind of surprised that Jose Ramirez wasn't getting a lot of as much love as I thought he was going to. But
1: yeah, I feel like though that's kind of always like that, right? I mean, yeah. is maybe it's just because of the team he, he plays for. But, yeah, that guy is really good, and I think he's underrated, and a lot Mm. of people don't really, like, maybe they don't watch him enough. Maybe that's why. Um, There's some players in the league that I think a lot of people don't either watch enough, maybe because they're on the West
0: Coast or Mm. stuff like that. But, yeah, I agree with that for sure. (sighs) Yeah. So, all right, before we get out here, we do have to talk about our beloved Red Wings and S-Mets. They aren't, you know, the big league teams aren't the only teams having to make moves. You know, the Meyer League squads do as well. Yep. Uh, so a couple familiar names in Rochester. Jackson Tatro, he's back. Meyer League deal and assigned to Rochester. But Sean Doolittle signed a Meyer League deal with Washington. He's been outrighted to Rochester. I don't think he'll be ready for spring training from surgery he had. I could be wrong. But it will be exciting to see Doolittle in Rochester in addition, former national prospect Yadier Hernandez signed back with the Nationals on minor league deal, as well as other prospects such as Evan Lee, Alberto Guerrero, Derek Hill, formerly one of the Tigers' top prospects, Hobie Harris, and a few different shortstops here: Eric Mejia, Lionel Valera, and Yassel Atuna, uh, all been assigned to Rochester from Washington. So, like with, you know, like I said, I mean, and same thing with with Syracuse here. In a second, you know, they too have to fill out their rosters and get that ready and get everything ready to go for 23 for Syracuse. One more thing on uh, oh, go Rochester, ahead. Uh, Paul. I didn't – You just
1: this just came out today, so I, I don't blame you for not seeing it, but maybe one of the more important signings or announcements from Rochester today, if you take a look at the screen. Oh, yeah, the Milo appearances. Yeah, it wasn't it seven days, and so now it's eight. Yeah. Yep. so
0: March the best boy. Fierce. I hope he's wearing a jacket. No. <laughs> he's got fur. He'll be fine. He's a good boy. Sorry to interrupt. Just had to put that in there. <laughs> uh, the S-Mets, uh, they haven't officially really signed anybody or taken in anybody. Obviously, they'll have Sean Reed Foley and the pitchers I mentioned before who signed my league contracts, uh, but they themselves clean shortstop Mateo Gill off waivers from Spokane, uh, right-hand pitcher Wilkin Ramos from Bradenton, shortstop Jonathan Orez from Norfolk, and outfielder Augustine Ruiz from Fort Wayne. So... There are transactions in the minor leagues as well, folks.
1: <laughs> and I think there'll be more, like, you know, obviously in
0: January, February. Definitely. So, some awards to announce for both teams. Now, I need to preface it with this. In the minor leagues, they have organizational all stars. Currently, five organizations have yet to announce their all stars. One of them is the Washington Nationals, the parent club of Rochester. So, unfortunately, uh, we do have a few awards that have yet to be announced. We'll mention those, obviously, our next podcast, but didn't want to preface it with that before we jumped into like where we get to Syracuse, where they do have organizational all-stars uh, so far for the Mets. so uh, We'll keep everybody informed with that when come time in January, but there's a reason why for that. So we'll start with Syracuse. Infielder Brett Beatty was the Met minor league position player of the year, as well as an organizational all-star third baseman mark vientos was an international league end of year all-star and organization all-star uh international league actually all minor leagues this year did not have all true all-star game their all-stars were announced at the end of the year as a award type thing kind of like your all mlbs if you will Catcher Francisco Alvarez was the organizational all-star, and outfielder Jake Mangum organizational all-star. So uh, a lot of the guys that we talked about a lot for Syracuse this year uh, certainly made their presence known, and uh, really the cream of the crop was at the top there, but when it all was said and done for them. Yeah, and uh, isn't the all-star game going to come back next year? I believe it's next year or the year after. I can't remember exactly. I think it's not this year, but 2024. It was just kind of odd. Uh, yeah. You know, they were on the all-star break, and there just was no all-star right. game and nothing to do. Yeah, I mean, I noticed it again in the schedules because I'm I'm going to be doing a uh, not to this isn't a true spoiler thing, but uh, me and a me and a friend of mine were doing a New York baseball road trip of sort this summer, and now we aren't doing it where it's like we're gonna be gone for a week type thing. It's gonna be over the course of a few different weekends. And I noticed that through the Meyer league schedules because obviously we're gonna hit up Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Binghamton, Hudson Valley. Uh, Brooklyn, you know they all have this random like four day break in July, but there's no All Star games for next year, so kind of sucks. But yeah, I get it. So there are some at least awards for Rochester Nationals did do some awards. They just don't have the organizational All Stars out yet. Cade Cavalli was the Nationals minor league pitcher of the year. Went back to back. I don't want it in 2021 as well. Um, kudos, to him. I finally was able to get up to the big league roster by the end of the year and certainly made his presence known there. Our guy, infielder Jake Alou, won the Nationals Way Award. Each organization has an award like this. This is just for a player who showed the most determination, skill, teammate, community membership, uh, kind of like your overall this good guyish award type thing. Uh, he look. I mean, to be fair, and he he was awarded. He was added to the 40 man roster uh, for the Nationals this offseason. Um ripped through the organization this year started at a ball ended up at double in Harrisburg and ended up at triple a in Rochester in July and never went back down and only continued to improve it's pretty impressive yeah. for sure and I Andrew Stevenson was named Rochester's MVP and most popular player as well uh, we may know of that a while ago but just as a reminder I know unknown really if he'll come back with the Nationals organization or not but he has been a guy that has been in the organization for a while been in Rochester really the past couple of years and uh really just a great player great community member and uh much deserved to him as well
1: yeah i think he's an all-around player too he's got
0: speed he can yeah. hit you know he can field just mm-hmm. a perfect player had dad power by the end of the year too as well so yeah all right so that will wrap up concrete jungle for today i know a lot of content there to kind of digest but a lot of stuff to catch up on um again we'll be off until sometime in january come back with january and recap some stuff that's been going on stuff like that but um that's Going to pretty much do it for today. Pleasure to get back up here with you, Kyle.
1: Yeah, it was definitely fun to Hawk Baseball. It feels like it's been forever. Yeah. Um. Hopefully there's many more
0: moves to come. I know the Mets will make more yeah. moves. I mean, Both well, teams will, But to um, be fair. Yeah, I can't wait to do it again. Make sure, if you haven't already, you check out the stuff he's doing for us here at www.fairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfairfair on it usually right away as soon as the news breaks so I try to be <laughs> i know i had to wake you up i think for the and judge news last week but <laughs> yeah, i didn't want to admit that well you know it's 20 minutes late you're you're busy i mean you this is a busy time of year for you so it's understandable yeah i got you nate Sharman, thank you and appreciate you as always behind the scenes i know he just saluted for everybody he won't put himself on camera even though he does have one now um so before we do take off formally here, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and yours. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Enjoy it. It's a fun time of year. a Joyous time of year to be with friends and family. So enjoy it. Be safe, but have fun. Uh, so for everybody here at Finger Lakes One, catch us here when we're live on YouTube in the 24-hour stream. Catch up anytime on YouTube and Spotify and other major podcasting platforms. And until 2023... We'll see everybody then. Take care, everybody.